Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. The Gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus, has been passed on for centuries from person to person. From individuals to other individuals, the good news of the Lord Jesus has been communicated And the reason why is because it changes people's lives. The truth that has been revealed through the good news of the Lord Jesus changes people's lives. It directs people to the true and living God. And when people are directed to the true and living God on the basis of forgiveness and resurrection, when they turn to him for his grace and for his mercy, they will receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit and the living God will resurrect them from the dead. And when he does, he can do a work within his people that transforms them from the inside as he does a perfect work in their heart, meeting the deepest needs that an individual truly has. He has created us in such a way that we will never experience rest and peace until we turn to him for who he is, for what he has done, and for what he has given. When people receive the gospel and they embrace the living God and they experience a transformation in their being, we normally can't help but tell others about the truth that has been revealed to us. It is as if we cannot help but tell others about the true and living God because we know him for who he is and we have experienced him for who he is. And we know what it is to be lost. We know what it is to be without him. And when we see people struggle in the same way that we once did, we are compelled to reach out to them, if anything, with just simple compassion, wanting them to experience the same peace and rest that we have truly come to know. But not everybody is excited about sharing the gospel. In many cases, people are ashamed of the gospel, it seems. It seems as though they are afraid to tell others about what the Lord has revealed to them. And there are many reasons why. One of the reasons that people feel ashamed of the gospel, or they at least hesitate to tell people about the good news of the Lord Jesus, is because they have done so in the past, and people simply are not interested. There are very few people who are truly interested in hearing about the good news, especially in our modern age, where information is very much available, and people in general have already been exposed to some aspect of the scriptures, or they have been exposed to religion in one way or another. And so in many cases, people are either interested to the extent where they pursue it and discover the good news, or they are not so interested, and they don't pursue it. And when you speak with them about it, quite often people will say, you know, I've heard about this, and I've looked into it a little bit, and I personally am just not interested. I have other things that are interesting to me. I have other things that I would like to pursue. Or I have encountered people who I personally find to be extremely rude or mean, and so I don't want to have anything to do with people who are like that. There are many reasons why people have no interest in the scriptures or in the gospel 
and many of the reasons I would consider to be reasonably legitimate and understandable. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you have been affected by the living God, you will want to tell other people about it. If not because of the excitement of what he has done for you, you will be motivated by wanting to help people who are themselves experiencing pain and suffering simply because they do not know the Lord. But again, some people are not so motivated. And what do we do to motivate these individuals? How do we motivate people to go out and share the gospel? Well, one of the ways of doing that is to make them feel guilty. And I certainly don't want to encourage this. I'm just saying that this is one of the ways that people approach this issue because we would like others to tell people about the Lord Jesus. And when they don't do so, one of the ways that we can handle that is by just simply trying to make them feel guilty about not doing so. And one of the ways of approaching this is to go into the scriptures and consider the Apostle Paul. We can compare them with the Apostle Paul, and perhaps when they realize that they are not quite up to Paul's standard, then maybe they'll be motivated by that. This is one of the approaches that people take. And one of the verses that people consider is in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, where he said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, and he was wanting to share the gospel with anyone who he could encounter. And on occasion, people use this as an example to make you feel guilty because you don't feel the same way he did. And so feel motivated and do something about it. Get out there and share the gospel so that you're not ashamed of the gospel. This is one way that people try to solve this problem of a lack of activity is that they try to make people feel guilty. Okay, so let's assume that we have found some way to get people motivated to go out and share the gospel. What is that going to look like? What does that usually look like? What is the gospel, what is the good news that people normally proclaim? What are they going to go out and tell other people? Well, the most common gospel, because there are different definitions, there are different ideas concerning what the gospel is, and it's a very worthwhile question to ask people, what do you believe the gospel is, or how would you describe the gospel? It's a very important question, because there are differences of opinions concerning what the gospel is. But probably the most common answer that I have received sounds something like this, and that is that Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven. And if you will believe in the forgiveness that he has offered to you, if you will receive that and be thankful for that, then you will have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And after you have been saved by being forgiven, then your life is to be devoted, you are to be committed to try and live a holy, righteous life. That's normally the gospel that people communicate. And what happens when this gospel is communicated? Now, I personally believe that a lot of that is correct. I just believe that it's a little bit incomplete. And I'll explain that in just a minute. But first, I'm going to follow through with this and say that if this is the gospel that people communicate, then let's assume that somebody believes that. They embrace that. They are thankful for the forgiveness that has been offered to them. And they begin to then try to live a holy life. 
They go to church. They try to stop sinning. They try to do all the right things that they should be doing. They learn the new language that they are supposed to speak in a religious environment. They learn how to live so that they will avoid sin in their life, that this becomes the pursuit of an individual. But what does this look like over a period of time? Over a period of time, depending upon how committed a person is, let's assume that they are going to be very committed to this pursuit of trying to be a good Christian. If they are very committed, then it shouldn't take very long for them to eventually reach a point where they realize that they are not as holy as God wants them to be, that they are not as righteous, that they are not as obedient as God wants them to be, and they are having trouble figuring out how to do so. In the midst of this condition that they find themselves in, how do they perceive their relationship with their God? What does this really look like? If you were to ask them, how does God see you? I mean, really see you. Not in a positional sense, but how about a practical sense? How does he really see you personally? I mean, if somebody goes to heaven before you do, and they go before the Lord and they ask him, tell me about this person. What do you think about this individual who's still down there trying to be a good Christian? If you were to ask this of an individual, what do you suppose God is going to say in response to that? It probably would sound something like this, that the Lord would say, yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about somebody else. And this would be perfectly understandable because this individual is not as obedient as God probably wants them to be. And so that's what he probably thinks. That's probably how he feels about them. Yeah, let's, yeah, they're one of mine and I've got a place for them. But, you know, let's talk about somebody else because I'd rather not be depressed. This is the belief that people have that God is actually ashamed of them. He is ashamed of them because even though they have been trying to be a good Christian, they just can't quite get it right. They're just not doing it as well as they know they could if they were a little bit more committed, if they were a little bit more devoted to their Christian faith. And so because of that, God is kind of ashamed of them. This is the kind of attitude, this is the kind of belief that people eventually come to when they really try, when they will really try to be holy, when they will really try to be obedient. And so what do they do in response What do they do? Well, they will try harder. That's what they do. They try harder. And they begin to really experience condemnation from the Lord. They really experience it more because the more they try, the worse things tend to get. Because you know what? The law has a tendency to stir up sin in a person's life. And so they start feeling depressed. They experience depression. And in some cases, depending upon how devoted... They really are. They may eventually reach a point of absolute despair. They know that there is peace and rest. They know that it is there somewhere, but they can never truly seem to find it. They know that there is love from God, but they can't seem to experience it because they cannot get past their belief that he is ashamed of them because of their failure to be obedient, to be repentant. And so, in a way, what this really shows is that they believe that God holds their sins against them. And because of that, 
they have to try to find a way to correct the sins in their life, to overcome them so that he will truly embrace them in a way that they desire, in a way that they want, actually in a way that they need, because this is how our God created us. He created us in such a way that we will never experience any peace or rest in our hearts until we are loved by our God. But what people eventually discover, and what I mean by eventually is that it depends on how committed they are to this task, the more committed, the earlier they will discover this. The less committed, the longer it takes. But eventually a person will reach a point where they realize that there is no real power in their life, that there is no real change in their life. Not really. Not if they're going to be really honest with themselves. And when they experience that, then they are ashamed. Then when they go and tell people about the Lord Jesus, this is what it sounds like. It sounds like this. Yes, Jesus died for your sins, and he wants you to go to heaven. But listen, if you're going to be really committed to this, if you're really going to believe in Christianity, if you're going to really turn to God, then eventually you're going to be as miserable as I am. And this is why people don't share the gospel very often. The reason why is because deep down inside, they don't see how good the news is yet. They don't see it. And this is the number one reason why. There are many other reasons. I'm certainly not saying that this is the reality in every Christian's life. I'm only saying this in a general way, that I have found that in general, this is what people struggle with. And the reason why they don't share the gospel is because they are ashamed of it. And the reason why they are ashamed of it is because they are ashamed of themselves, because they have failed. And the reason why they are ashamed of themselves is because they believe God is ashamed of them because of their failure. They believe that God sees them in that light and that he is ashamed of them. And so they are ashamed of themselves. And so they are ashamed to tell others about the gospel, either because of the obvious hypocrisy or because they are afraid that the individual will eventually discover the hypocrisy. But for the most part, the reason why people are not sharing the gospel is because it is having no effect in their lives It has no power in their lives. Now, the reason why I gave you this explanation concerning the gospel is because I want you to understand that this is an incomplete understanding of the gospel. And the conclusions that people have come to is an appropriate result of this incomplete understanding of the gospel. The conclusion that God, yeah, he still kind of holds Your sins against you. He does in some ways. And because of that, you should feel condemned. He is ashamed. This is the result of an incomplete understanding. A more complete understanding would be for a person to recognize and understand that when he died on the cross, the entire sin issue came to an end to the extent where he does not expect us to try to get all of the sin out of our life anymore. He has set us free from that because there is no longer any penalty for violating the laws of God. Because of that, we are free. First of all, yes, we are free to go out and indulge our flesh because there is no penalty that will be executed against us. But he didn't set us free so that we would do that. You have to continue and follow through with this and understand that he set us free so that he can love us, so that he can accept us. That's why he set us free. Not to give us an excuse to indulge our flesh, 
but so that we can be accepted by our God, so that he no longer has to be ashamed of us because he doesn't hold our sins against us anymore. Now, this is the door that gets opened when a person is first exposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus and the reality that he died for the sins of the world. Unfortunately, most people don't walk through this door, and that's why people end up in this state of despair and depression if they are truly committed to what they actually believe. This is the main reason why. You have to follow through with forgiveness. You have to follow through with it so that you can get to the point of actually being loved by your God. And when you are, then he meets the deepest needs of your heart because you have a need to be loved by him. When you are accepted by your God, then he meets the deepest needs that you have to be accepted. And when you are loved, when you are accepted, and when you rest in his love and in his acceptance, then when the temptations of life come your way, when you are exposed to the temptations of life to sin, the real temptations have to do with the temptation affecting your need to be loved and accepted, your need to have meaning and understanding in your life, your need to have purpose in your life. This is where the temptation is really at. The root of the temptation is not the sin itself. The root of it is the deception that your needs deep down inside will be met. But if you will rest in what your God has for you, then the temptation will be overcome by the rest that you are experiencing in him. In other words, if the temptation to sin comes along and says, hey, listen, you will be accepted, you will be loved, or at least you'll feel accepted, you'll feel loved if you engage in this, and you are resting in the love and the acceptance that your God has for you, then it's easy to say no. It's easy to say no because you are fulfilled already. It's easy to say no because your needs are already being met. This is the power of God, and this is real because your God is real. If he is nothing more than a theology, if he is nothing more than a philosophy, then there is nothing real about this at all. There is no real opportunity to experience peace in your heart because it's nothing more than a figment of your imagination. And so the temptations of sin can overpower you easily because you don't really believe You don't really trust because you don't really acknowledge that there really is a person that you can trust. When he said that he loves you, when he said that he accepts you, you can't really embrace that. You can't really believe it because you don't really believe that he is. So when forgiveness is revealed, the door is opened. And if you will walk through that door, then you can embrace him for who he is and you can be the recipient of what he has for you what he has given to you as an inheritance as a result of his death. Otherwise, a person is going to find themselves eventually in a situation where they are going to be overcome. They are going to be overcome easily and regularly and to the extent where they are going to become ashamed to be recognized as a Christian. And it is the appropriate result. They should be ashamed. They should be ashamed, and the reason why is because they have an incomplete gospel. They don't really believe in forgiveness. They believe in partial forgiveness, but not complete forgiveness. And for that, I believe they should be ashamed. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed, but he was not ashamed because he had a complete gospel. 
And so if you want to deal with this issue of how do we get Christians motivated to go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus, it's simple. All they need to experience is the living God for themselves. But the reason why they don't is because they don't know the true, complete gospel, or they don't really want to believe it. And so deal with the real issues first. Don't try to get people out there sharing their faith. Get them a faith to share, and they will share it. And the true faith that has been revealed was well described by the Apostle Paul. But it was described not just as forgiveness, it was described as the restoration of the Holy Spirit. You see, forgiveness is definitely part of the gospel, but it's not the entire gospel. The good news is not just that Jesus died for our sins. That's good news, but it's not the totality of the good news. He died for our sins for a reason. And that reason was not to just get us out of hell and into heaven. But it was also so that he could get himself out of heaven and into us. This is accomplished by offering to us the Holy Spirit, by offering to us His Spirit, Him, Himself. He has forgiven us. He forgave the entire world, but He has forgiven people so that He no longer holds our sins against us, so that He can dwell within us as He originally created us. He created us in such a way that we need Him to dwell within us. We need Him to personally be within us. We need His Spirit indwelling within our spirit. This was described as His life dwelling within our spirits. And when we have His life within us, then we are resurrected from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. While you were dead in your trespasses and sins, He forgave you of your sins. In Second Corinthians Chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, it is written, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In other words, you were justified by his blood, but much more you will be saved in addition to that. And that's described in the next verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are not saved by his death or by his forgiveness. We are actually saved by the restoration of his Spirit, by his giving us his very life. And this is where people usually come short, is that they normally say, Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven. And that certainly is true, but what they normally leave out is that he resurrects you from the dead. He offers to you the Holy Spirit so that you can receive that if you are willing to receive him within your heart. He does that so that he can get himself out of heaven and into you so that you can live now, so that you can live today. 
But when people don't make it that far, then they end up trying to live their lives according to their own self-effort, which eventually leads to failure. And when that failure occurs, they've got good reasons to be ashamed. But instead, we are not to live by self-effort. We are to live on the basis of being resurrected. And once we have been resurrected, then we wait patiently for him to guide us, to lead us into all truth, to teach us, to disciple us, and to reveal to us the depth of what he has now given to us because we have been resurrected. And the maturity and growth of a believer then becomes a matter of not trying to be repentant and obedient, but instead becomes a life of discovering what you have in Christ. And when you discover what you have now in Christ Jesus, then you rest and you enjoy in what you have. And when you rest in and enjoy in what you have, more correctly, in who you have, then he will meet the deepest needs of your heart and he will fulfill you in such a way that it will become trivial to say no to sin. But please understand that the goal is not to say no to sin. That while this is something that a person will experience when they walk through this door that has been opened through forgiveness, that is not really the goal. The true goal is so that you may know your God. When you know him, then you will find yourself in a situation where not only are you not ashamed of the good news, but you are not ashamed of the God who has revealed the good news. And that is when the excitement truly comes. That is when the discovery of what he has truly called you to and who he has truly called you to becomes real. And through discovering him, you will walk beyond this issue of being ashamed or not being ashamed And you will enter into a personal relationship with the personal God who wants to know you and who wants you to know him. This is what he has called us to. And this is what he is encouraging us to tell others. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that you may